Suppose someone crashed your dinner party. You've been looking forward to this evening for some time. You've invited a special guest along with some other friends. Your main guest is a Catholic priest who is also a member of the city council. He has a reputation for being able to relate and minister to troubled youth. You want to pick his brain because your church is about to, to try to start a, a youth ministry. About 10 minutes after dinner is served, you hear the front door open and a young man enters your dining room. He is unkempt and appears agitated. Obviously, he has not been invited. You don't know him. Or do you? Now you remember, it was his picture you saw on the internet news. He was recently paroled from a sentence for a drug offense. Without speaking to anyone, the young man walked over to where your special guest, the priest, is seated. They begin a whispered conversation. Then the priest stands up and puts his arm around the young man who begins silently to weep. How do you feel in that situation? Well, maybe you think to yourself, who does this this no life think he is? Barging into my home without even ringing the bell. And this priest, does he really associate with losers like him? Well, how about this? Wow, that boy's having a hard time. Good thing he has somebody to turn to. So there's more than one way to react to an uninvited guest. As in our gospel story. Excuse me just a minute. Jesus had been invited to dinner by Simon, who was a Pharisee. Pharisees have often gotten a bad rap because they were in conflict with Jesus. But let's give them some credit. Pharisees were very careful to keep all God's commandments. They carefully observed many rituals designed to avoid any kind of impurity. And that included not touching or associated or associating with sinners. The Pharisees really wanted to please God. Where they went wrong was in not considering that they needed God's grace, God's forgiveness, 
as much as those they labeled as sinners. Shortly after Simon and Jesus and some other guests started eating, the party was crashed by a woman. Our gospel writer, Luke, does not give her name. We are told only that she was a sinner in that town. Many have assumed that she was a sex worker, but Luke doesn't give details of her history. There is no way a woman with her reputation would have been invited to a Pharisee's home. Rather, she had heard that Jesus was there and just showed up. From the rest of the story, it appears that she had met Jesus before. To understand what happened next and Jesus' comments on it, here are a few notes about the local customs. Sandals were the typical footwear, if you could afford them, and many could not. In either case, walking the unpaved roads and paths would leave dust and grime on your feet, and a, many of a, a polite host would offer water to a guest to wash their feet. And also in that culture, people would eat dinner while reclining on a, a divan or, 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 or couch. I wouldn't find that the most comfortable way to eat, but that's the way they did it. So the unnamed woman, having entered uninvited, came up behind Jesus as he reclined. She had a jar of ointment, some translations call it perfume, which would not have been cheap. Possibly she intended to anoint Jesus' head with the ointment, but she broke down and started crying. Her tears fell on Jesus' feet and she wiped them with her hair. Then she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Simon, the host, didn't say anything, but his body language must have revealed that he was not pleased. The gospel tells us what he was thinking. If this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's touching him, a sinner. And Jesus, reading Simon's thoughts, had a question for him. Suppose a creditor had two debtors, one owed him $10,000, the other $100. Neither one could pay, so the creditor forgave both of them. Which one will love the creditor more? And Simon answered, well, well I guess the one who had the larger debt canceled. And Jesus replied, right. And then he turned to the woman and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? Isn't that a great question? Do you see this woman? Because Simon did not see her. All he saw was a stereotype. He had labeled her as a wicked woman and that's all he saw. He wasn't seeing what was really going on with her. He did not see how grateful she was. He did not 
see how her actions showed her love for Jesus. And then Jesus pointed out how Simon had shown him no hospitality except inviting him there for food, and yet this woman had anointed his feet and wiped them with her hair. It's important to understand that the woman was not forgiven because of the loving things she did for Jesus. Rather, her expressions of love were her response to already having been forgiven. She came back to show her gratitude and love to Jesus. And then Jesus said to her, confirming what had already happened, your sins are forgiven. And that declaration was not for her alone. It echoes down through the centuries to all who will receive it. Your sins are forgiven. That may sound strange to you, that, that, that the forgiveness comes to all who will receive it. It's natural to assume that some people deserve God's forgiveness more than others. There must be something we can do to earn it. Surely, someone who goes to church and puts the tithe in the collection plate and tries to live by the golden rule is more deserving of forgiveness than a habitual criminal. Wouldn't they be? That, that was Simon's assumption. And he really thought that he was more deserving than that woman who had crashed the party, that that woman whom he had labeled as sinner. But Jesus took her side, saying she had been forgiven and her gesture of love showed it. Being forgiven made it possible for her to love. So God's grace is not about who is deserving. It's about God's desire to reconcile all of us to himself and to each other. When Jesus said, the one to whom little is forgiven, they love little, he was talking to Simon and implying that Simon was forgiven too. But unless Simon would recognize his need and receive God's forgiveness, it wouldn't do him any good. This perspective helps us understand something that you, Jesus said on other occasions and which may have even troubled you. It, it, it troubled me sometimes. When you know in, in the prayer that we say every week, we include the words, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then right after he told the disciples that prayer, Jesus said, uh, if you forgive others their trespasses, trespasses, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your, your trespasses. And so I've sometimes wondered, does this teaching of Jesus mean that we have to earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others? Is forgiving a condition of our being forgiven? Well, in a way it is, but the limitation is on our end and not on God's. God is always willing to forgive, 
But if I refuse to forgive others, if I harbor resentment and hatred toward a person who wronged me, that, that revenge fantasy comes to dominate my life and I will hardly be in the mood to receive God's forgiveness. And it wouldn't do me any good. To put it, put it another way, receiving God's forgiveness and being willing to forgive others are two sides of the same coin. When I receive God's forgiveness, when I really know that I'm okay with God as I am in spite of my past, I am transformed. Like the woman in our story, I may be overwhelmed with gratitude. The change can be sudden or gradual, but the potential is so great that in the Bible, it is called being a new creation or being born again. I can relate to God as a loving parent rather than a fearsome judge. And God's acceptance liberates me to accept myself with all my complexities and contradictions. God's healing power motivates me to live as a, as a follower of Jesus. And I become free to love and forgive others. And as I forgive others, I am able to let go of the grudges and revenge ideas that sap my energy. And it's easier to be confident that God has forgiven me. Oh, I'm not saying that forgiving others is easy. It usually isn't. Especially in cases of really uh, severe wrongs we've experienced that we really need to forgive, but find it so hard to forgive. Sometimes you have to wait till you're ready. Sometimes you have to feel forgive gradually or forgive over and over again for the same offense and each time you get a each time you get a little closer to letting it go. Earlier I spoke as Jesus did of being able to see what is really going on with someone. And in the beginning, it may help to begin seeing the person who wronged you as, well, a human being, and not just a traitor or a cheater or an abuser. And that can help you gradually let go of the grudge. And eventually, you may even start wishing that person well. And remember always the fundamental reality that makes it possible for you to forgive. The words of Jesus to the woman in our gospel story, but intended for all who will receive them. Your sins are forgiven. In his name, amen.